0: Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a polo sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Bills for Ski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts, Alex and Sean. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the very first Bears win of the season. We're now one and one. Uh, we'll be talking some baseball and a whole lot more. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford IceHogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford IceHogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. Sure. The season is not going on yet, but it will be starting in just a few short weeks. So head on over to icehogs.com, get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, sign up for season tickets, and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Alex, how does it feel to be experiencing a victory of a Chicago Bears?
1: Woo. Honestly, more relieving than anything because you really did not want to start off 0 and two and then have to go back out on the road and play another contending team on the road. So really at the end of the day, getting the win today at home was pretty big.
0: I think so. Um, That Browns game is going to be really tough. Uh, You know, the only chance I, you know, I think the bears have is if they can get so far ahead that it sort of takes the running game out of it for Cleveland but I I don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to be Cleveland next week, you're going to have to completely revamp your game calling and your game plan offensively next week. Because look, what you take away from today's victory is the defense won you the game. I don't think there's really any dispute over that. You look at the offense and you say, there's a lot of issues here. We had a game plan with Andy Dalton. We didn't have a game plan for Justin Fields. And when you don't have a game plan with a young quarterback, a lot of things can go wrong. And luckily, the defense did a complete 180 from last week. So if you have any chance whatsoever against the Browns in the doghouse next week, you're going to have to have a better game plan offensively and a solidified one. And there's got to be some chemistry built offensively. We don't know who's going to be for sure under center right now as we're talking on Sunday night. We don't know the severity of Andy Dalton's injury, but let's say for all intensive purposes, it is going to be Justin Fields in week three. There's got to be a good game plan, and you want to make sure that the coaching can help get these guys on the same page because, let's face it, one of the problems in today's game, despite the win, was that there was a lot of things that were out of sync when Justin Fields came in offensively. So there's going to have to be a lot of things cleaned up for next week. I mean, it, it is really going to be a tough game, and even even for a good team going to Cleveland. It's they're not the Browns that we know and love anymore. They're they're a good team. They're a high powered offense, and they're going to come at you from all directions.
0: Yeah, and you know, in this game, like you alluded to, is uh, Andy Dalton started the game, and he actually he actually was playing well. Yeah, I thought he
1: did good. Yeah.
0: The offense started off good, marched down the field, got a touchdown, Um, you know, Andy under Andy Dalton in this game, the bears didn't have any three and outs, but he got hurt fairly early and um, it was a weird, it was a weird thing. He, he was running, uh, running to go out of bounds. And then he did like a, like a, you know, plant step and just started jumping up and down. And then you saw him running on the sidelines and testing it out. And it looked like it was fine. According to the sideline reporters, he was telling everybody it's fine, but, and he went back in at one point, but then he came back out. So I don't know if he thought it was, it was just saying fine. and thought it was just like sore. And then when he went out there, was realizing he was having trouble planting or something. Um, But they, you know, they, he did not go back into the game. And I don't know if he would have been available had something happened to Justin Fields or what the situation was.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes knee injuries can be kind of tricky because it kind of depends on where you plant and how you plant, you know, depending on the knee injury, knee injuries can just feel awful altogether speaking from experience, but there have been knee injuries where if a certain part is hurt, torn, sprained, whatever, You know, you could be walking forward or standing on it fine, but then maybe you plant a certain way and all of a sudden you're in a lot of pain. And I mean, if you're a quarterback, you're going to have to plant every different way when you're in and out of the pocket. So yeah, I I mean, he was standing on the sideline in the second half and I mean, he probably would have gone back in if he was asked to, but you know, like you said, he didn't. We'll see really how severe this injury is. It might not be that severe, or maybe there's a little more to it that meets the eye. But um, yeah, I I think regardless, you have to have Justin Fields. You got to keep building him up. You got to get practices with him with the number one guys. You got to build some chemistry here. I mean, this goes to show this scenario. You got a veteran quarterback with a guy right behind you. Injuries can happen at any point, and you might need to force him in there. And I know we all wanted to see Justin Fields play, but we didn't want to see him have to come in because of an injury. Um, So that's an unfortunate part. But going forward,
0: I'm going to go so far as to say is that, you know, I was not rooting for, you know, anything to happen to Andy Dalton. Like I didn't want him to get it hurt. I didn't want him to play so bad that uh that they forced the issue. Like I, I, didn't I didn't either. I didn't want any of that. That's not, you know, like if what I wanted was was the coaching staff to go, all right, listen, there's um, you know, he's outplaying Andy Dalton. That's really the situation I wanted. Because, you know, there's Andy Dalton has not done anything wrong. He's not wronged any Bears fans and he's sort of gotten unfair heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm rooting for him because obviously, if he's playing really well, it means the Bears are playing well, and that's that's what I want. Ultimately, I want the Bears to win, mm-hmm. and I don't really care who the quarterback is that does that. Um, if Andy Dalton is going to go out there and throw 250 for three touchdowns, no interceptions, I uh, will take that any day of the week.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree because. There are people that just want to see Justin Fields as soon as possible. And I get it. I I really do. I don't want to say that you're wrong for wanting to do that. I just, we've seen what happens when we've had to force quarterbacks into dirty situations. And that's kind of what today was. That being said, I still think that coaching staff has a responsibility to have game plans ready and to have him have some sort of chemistry with the team. But still, you know, it, it was an unfortunate situation he had to come in. But, you know, remember with Trubisky, he came in because Michael Lennon was so bad. And like you said in the show earlier, Annie Dalton was doing pretty well in this game before he went out. He was nine for 11 passing. The first drive of the game was very, it was a nice drive. It was nothing too crazy or too wacky creative. It was just, you know, simple passing plays, a few run plays mixed in here or there. You know, you see some more good things from Dave Montgomery and, Dalton made some nice throws and ultimately you got a touchdown out of it. There was a nice rhythm when Andy Dalton was in the game.
0: Yeah. And you know, when Justin Fields came in and if you, honestly, if you just look at the box score, it's not going to look that good for Justin Fields, six of 13, 60 yards, no touchdowns in interception, two sacks and a 27.7 quarterback reading. That's not good. Especially when Andy Dalton had, and it left the game with a 118.2 quarterback rating but there was a lot of things that just don't go into that number like two touchdown passes dropped by Allen Robinson. Uh, I guess yeah. one was one was dropped, the other one the guy got his arm into it but honestly if you are paid 22 million dollars a year or whatever Allen Robinson is paid you got to take that. Uh, I am
1: I'm, I'm a little less critical of that one because that was a well-defended ball, but the one that went through his hands, like, dude, come on, you got to make that catch.
0: Like, absolutely. The, he, he dropped that. Yeah. And that was a, and that absolutely changes the, the numbers on his, um, you know, on his uh quarterback rating by and all and it
1: law. wasn't just those two either you remember there was a throw to Darnell Mooney down the sideline that went off his fingertips that was a very well placed ball he was hitting him in stride it was it was either late in the second or earlier in the third I can't remember but you know what I'm talking about right it was towards the sideline it was a nice throw and he just couldn't come up with it
0: right I and I mean the only bad throw that Justin Fields had in this game was the interception and that was just an absolute rookie mistake. He did not even see that guy. Yeah. So, I, you know, those that's, that's going to happen. Those are the things you're going to have to live with when you do play a rookie quarterback. But, um, you know, honestly, for me, the most frustrating part was once he, once he went in, you saw some of the throws he was making they were on the, the nose to give him some time. Heath was going downfield. He wasn't dinking and dunking. He was going for big chunks. And and uh, Matt Nagy pulled the reins in on him. And and I get it. David Montgomery is your cowbell back. He's your workhorse back. Ride him. But you got to be smart about it. You can't just, he's not, you know, this isn't like Emmett Smith behind the hall five hall of fame uh, linemen where it doesn't matter. He's going to, you're not gonna be able to stop him. This is, this is a bad interior. Let me start by saying the interior of this offensive line has had two bad games in a row, both guards in the center, two bad games in a row. And you have, you know, a tackle that's probably retiring at the end of the year. And another one that is he's played okay, but he's, he's been, he's a journeyman. So you have a a guy on his last legs, a journeyman and three, three interior linemen that are playing bad. And, you know, if you, if you just come out there and be like, we're going to pound the ball down your throat, guess what? You're not going to make it. And at the end of the game, he was forcing Justin Fields into third and longs. Because he's running the ball twice and picking up one, two yards and leaving like third and seven, third and eight. And in a, in a tough game, you're, you're putting your rookie quarterback in a real situation. Why, why didn't you utilize his legs more? Why didn't you roll him out and let him throw from the run? Why didn't you put him in the opportunity to win? Those are Matt Nagy things.
1: The, I want to see more play action.
0: Yeah. If, the drop passes by Darnell Mooney. The drop pass by uh, Allen Robinson. Those are on them. The interception—that's on Justin Fields. The, but, um, you know the, the the rest of the conservative play calling,
1: very John Fox like run run pass. It,
0: it is Matt Nagy, and you're supposed to be an offensive genius. Go out there and and do it. You know, I I was, I got into a kind of like, I don't know, a tiff with some people on at the end of the game, when the bears had it, it was like third and goal from like the six. And then they didn't make it. I'm like, go for it. You know, you're going to pin them back at that point. They'd only had gotten three points. The Bengals had only gotten three points. So it's like, you either get that touchdown or you leave, you leave Joe burrow in that Bengals offense on their own, couple of yard line when Burrow has just thrown three straight interceptions, like, and the Bears pass rush is starting to get to him. Like, I, I I like that situation, and the Bears ended up kicking it. And at the end of the game, I was like, okay, this end those three points ended up being important because that was the the margin of victory there. But you know, it shouldn't have gotten like that because Matt Nagy just had bad play calling.
1: Here's what really annoyed me. I mean, just running on first down the same way every time it was so predictable. I mean, that alone was irritating me, but I think if you wanted to point out a specific moment, it irritated me. It was the first Joe Burrow turnover. It wasn't really on him. He completed the pass, and then it was the fumble at midfield um, that was forced by Eddie Jackson, which, by the way, good on you for shutting some people up. Uh, helping force and make that happen. But when that did happen, they got the ball like around midfield. I think they were technically in Bengals territory and he runs the first two plays. I'm like, dude, you just got a turnover at midfield. Why not take a deep shot?
0: Literally. I tweeted that same thing. I tweeted that out. I was like, right after the turnover, I was like, now take a shot deep, put the step on their throats. You go for the jugular win this game. If they would have they would have gotten that turnover and scored a touchdown quick, I think I think then all you get is is that bad Joe Burrow where he's forcing things, he's throwing under pressure. You take Joe Mixon out. Joe Mixon is their great equalizer because he's a he's a guy that can that can really take over a game if you give him the opportunity. And the minute you can take away the run game from the Bengals and make them one dimensional and pass, then you can, that offensive line of the Bengals is not that good. You can really get the pass rush going, um, start jumping underneath routes and assuming that if they do a double move and beat you, that the pass rush is going to get there by then and really put uh, you know, the, turn the screws on the Bengals and the bears had that opportunity and they chose not to. It's funny. We have this offensive guru head coach and he is a con he is he's John Fox level conservative.
1: Yeah. Playing not to lose. I mean, that just, it drove me nuts. Like I was getting PTSD from the run, run pass every time it was driving me nuts. And I'm thinking, You have a quarterback that can move around and do a lot. Why aren't you doing more play action, especially when you have a guy like Montgomery who can run, who can catch, who can fight off tackles? You know, why does it have to be this conservative play calling? And I mean, even look when they got into the red zone, it was, you know, more run, run. It's like, oh, now we got to pass on third down. It just drove me nuts. And it was the Bengals knew what was coming at that point. So, I mean, come on, man. Just, just why, why, why not try to go for the jugular when you get a big turnover? I mean, they had several. I mean, they had three turnovers in a row, three in a row. And yeah, you went up twenty to three, but you could have
0: wasn't it four turnovers? really made that a laugh? Or, wasn't it four laugh? straight turnovers? Wasn't it a fumble and three interceptions?
1: Well, I don't know if did the fumble come right were those back-to-back that I honestly I don't think, remember. I
0: think they were, I'd have to they, go back and look, but I'm pretty sure they were. So it's four, four straight. Let me double check here.
1: Let me see. Uh, I, I have it. See Uh fumble. Yeah. Fumble interception, interception, interception. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it was three straight interceptions, four straight
0: turnovers. Yeah. So you had, f- they turned the ball over on four straight possessions and you won the game by three points and you only scored 20 points. Why you're not capitalizing on turnovers. You've got to punish them, punish them. <clears throat> the best teams after, after a, a turnover, they're taking a big shot because they just got a freebie. They just got a freebie and they're taking that big shot. It's like throwing. It's like going deep when you, uh, you know, when you know there's a defensive penalty, and just taking a shot because what's the worst that happens? And it's the same thing with with after a turnover, you just got a turnover is go deep, take a big shot, and you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a touchdown. You don't have to go throw a seventy-yard pass, but get a big chunk, throw, it, get a big explosive play, you know, get at least twenty-five yards, and that takes the wind out of their sails and it puts you know, it really puts you in a driver's seat position. And that's the, what the bears don't do
1: to kind of put that in perspective of just everything, four straight turnovers and 13 points. So you had four straight turnovers and not even two touchdowns. Seven of those points came on a pick six by Roquan Smith, which was probably my favorite play of the game, by the way. But in all the others, you got two field goals and a punt. It's like, okay, that's not the worst but consider this too. These turnovers were either in your, uh, in their territory or at midfield. It's not like you generated these turnovers in your end zone. So what I'm trying to say is, is that you had good field position all three times because, you know, obviously one of those was a pick six. So you didn't have field position. You already scored, but on the other three, yeah. Okay. You kicked two field goals. Great. That's six more points, you know, it's a touchdown minus the extra point, you know, okay. But you really could have made that a laugher. I mean, you really could have just made that a laugher right then and there. And, you know, it could have, you know, built a little more confidence with Justin Fields. Though I don't think confidence is going to be a big issue with him. I'm just saying that, you know, you could have really just made that a complete laugher of a game right then and there. And you saw more of the classic struggles that you would see with the bears in the red zone, you know, having great field position, settling for field goals, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but you know, at least you got enough to win the game. And what I really liked about the defense outside of just the turnovers is that all game they had pressure and they covered very, very well in the secondary. I don't know if you, last week's game was a kick in the pants, but I mean, think about it. If they didn't generate all these turnovers, would they have won this game? I don't I, think so. Uh, do you, maybe, maybe not.
0: Did you read Eric Lambert's article? No. Um, I don't know if you ever read any of his articles, uh, but he had one that he wrote that um, per a source... That the Bears defense last week played bad intentionally as a silent protest uh, for Andy Dalton starting over Justin Fields. What? And I, I, what I said, I was like, no way. But then they played so much better when Justin Fields came in. And I'm not saying it's true, I'm just saying that. It lent lent some credence to that article. The fact that they played really well once Justin Fields came in. Like it gave them this boost. Uh,
1: did you where did he get this source from? I don't did he know. cite anything? I don't know. Um That sounds ridiculous. And if that is true and they miss the playoffs by a game, then they should honestly be put in stocks and have Bears fans throw tomatoes at them.
0: Uh, The Chicago Bears defense suffered at the hands of its own offense for a long time. Previous generations suffered in silence uh, for the most part, doing the best they could to carry the team alone. Is it possible the latest incarnation is taking matters into its own hands? Um, That uh, is the somewhat wild theory former player Michael Robinson offered during a segment of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. Like many in the media, Robinson is of belief that the Bears head coach Matt Nagy is making a mistake by not playing Justin Fields. Though Andy Dalton might be more experienced, he is not the better quarterback. He is also somebody at the mercy of supporting cast around him, especially the offensive line. Inexperienced or not, Fields gives this team the best chance to win by sticking with Dalton. It puts more pressure on everybody else to play their best. Something uh, certain people in the locker room might be tired of enough to possibly self-sabotage the team as a form of protest. That is Robinson's theory. He suggested that the defense might not have played their best in the opener against Los Angeles on purpose, blowing multiple coverages, missing so many tackles, and not rushing rushing the passer. Well, the idea behind it, put the pressure on Dalton to pick up the slack, watch him fail, and accelerate the timeline to get fields in action. Is it crazy? So it's, it's of theory. course it is. The idea of an entire um, – still, it's not hard to understand why the idea would come up. There have been multiple instances dating back to 2019 where the Bears defenses seem to lack energy, although almost knowing that they weren't going to get any help from the offense that often leads to mistakes, mistakes and bad games like everybody saw Sunday night. So I'm not saying that's true, but they played once Justin Fields came in, they played a whole heck of a lot better.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, they played good when Andy Dalton was still playing, so.
0: They played, they didn't play bad, but they played a whole lot better. Um, You know, they got four takeaways and they stopped the run. And, you know, you, you saw a lot of good things. A lot of good things.
1: I mean, look, if you want to argue that Justin Fields amping up the team is a thing, I can totally buy that. I totally can. And, you know, maybe being frustrated about the whole offensive situation is tiring both mentally and physically. I can buy that. I just don't buy that the defense would intentionally go out there and not play their best.
0: Yeah, I do find that hard to believe, but going out there and just playing. Like, you know, there's a difference. You go into your job and do you go in there and well-rested and you show up and you're like ready to work And you're all geared up because, you know, if you get everything done, you can go home early and start like a long weekend or something versus showing up on a Monday and you're just like, I'm tired. I don't feel like being here. And it takes you a while to get started. I I think that's the, that difference is, you know, are you bringing your a game and, you know, going out there and knowing that the offense is going to suck probably is real hard to bring your a game. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, that makes sense. It does. And I think that there is a mental component to that. I'm just not sure how intentional it is. I mean, yeah. So I, I can buy maybe a lack of energy and frustration, and then maybe more energy when Justin Fields come in, I, I could buy that. And maybe they themselves kind of don't even realize it. They're just so amped up and they're playing better. They're not actively thinking in the moment, wow, we're playing better that J- now that Justin Fields is in there, that's just kind of part of being amped up. But yeah, like I said, I, I don't buy that. It's it, it was, they were intentionally downplaying, uh, to you know in protest. But with all that said, you saw the Bears defense do what we've wanted them to do what we think that they're still capable of doing. They got pressure all day on the quarterback. You saw Robert Quinn get a sack. you saw Akeem Hicks disrupt he didn't Akeem Hicks didn't have any uh sacks, but you know he was in there causing making things happen. Khalil Mack got a sack. Roquan Smith made the big play, the interception, and he got a sack himself. And Bilal Nichols got a sack too. And Bilal then you, Nichols, saw,
0: and you saw that amazing dance.
1: Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And then you got interception from Jalen Johnson. Finally got his first pick. That was really good to see. That was a nice play too. That was Jalen situation-
0: Johnson played so well today. He did. He is going to be a superstar if he stays healthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was reading the routes better than Joe Burrow's receivers.
0: Yeah. He played exceptionally well. Um, You you finally got a sack from Khalil Mack, who just doesn't look like Khalil Mack. I don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, towards the end, you saw some more pressure from him, but just doesn't look like the, the same guy. That dominant
1: um, player we saw a few years ago, yeah, yeah.
0: You, you saw some plays by Eddie Jackson, but uh, that defense, the still, you have a problem. There is, um, is, uh, I mean, Kindleville Thor looked okay, but um, your your nickels, your nickels don't look good. Duke Shelley looked bad. Duke Shelley had a rough game. Yeah, Duke Shelley looked bad. Marky Christian looked bad last week and I don't know what you do because neither one of those guys are playing well.
1: Yeah, that's, that is an issue because we saw Duke Shelley misinterpret what was going to happen. And next thing you knew the guy had the ball and he was well beyond him.
0: Yeah. And, um, I mean, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna completely exonerate Eddie Jackson from last week because of the, the the strip he caused. Because that first touchdown that the Bengals got, that was that was him whiffing, like he he pulled an Olay on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that was
0: that was the worst play of the game. Yes. Um, but th- this game, this game, a- defensively, yeah, this game should have been a laugher. It should have been a runaway the Bears should have blown them out and it was a very close game score wise. And I, I put a lot of that blame on Matt Nagy. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got to be aggressive on offense. You've gotta, you've gotta be able to do things. And um, I get, I get that, you know, you, the quarterback that you plan to start had to come out, but You know, why, why can't you adjust your offensive play calling mid game? Like, why do you have no ability to adjust your own playbook? Why, why can't you change up your play calling?
1: Well, Like I said, you know, when you don't have, when you don't have a game plan with your rookie quarterback and then you can't adjust mid game, that makes things all the more harder for everybody and you saw how the lack of chemistry and the lack of really a solidified game plan hurt the offense in certain situations. There was a lot that wasn't on sync. There were a lot of penalties. Justin Fields was definitely a little amped and you saw false starts on him multiple times. And, you know, that's, you know, you're amped, you're amped. That's great. But, you know,
0: he, I, I go back and look at that. And I think both of those, there was a mix up with the center. Because he was he was expecting the ball and the ball didn't come. And that's why it looked like he was flinching and moving back because he was expecting the ball in the first one. I'm pretty sure the second time I'm positive because he's screaming for the ball. You could see his mouth. He's screaming, snap the ball. And so I don't know if the, the you know, there was an issue between the signals between the centers because here's the thing, when you don't work with a center, especially in a shotgun and silent counts, that's that's something you have to work on. And you know Justin Fields is running the scout team. So he's he's playing with a different a different center. So I, I, I don't know what you expect from him. And there was clearly there was clearly some some issues there. And, you know, they, they got, you know, uh, I mean, cleaned up a little bit, but this team, this team offensively needs, needs to be cleaner. You've got to clean up those offensive penalties. Mm -hmm. You're, you're not good enough or aggressive enough to, to win on third and 15, third and 18, third and 12. You're not, you're, you're going to punt, you're going to end up punting you may pick up a few of those yards, but you're not getting that first down. So, um, I, I just, they need to clean that up.
1: And you got to stop going East to West so many times when you need to pick up more than two yards, when you're, when you're third and 12 and you're doing dumb passes for only two yard gains, that shit drives me crazy.
0: Oh yeah, Absolutely.
1: There's another offensive observation I wanted to make today. And I'm sure you noticed it too. Unlike last week, there was a lot of uh, lack of tight end targeting today.
0: I tweeted that out. I was like, where have our tight ends been? We kept a guy making $7 million on our roster because of reasons. And that we didn't, we didn't go to him. We didn't go to him in the red zone. We didn't go to him at any point. Like, why why are you not going to him? Cole Combat got, I think, one one, two target, two targets. One target. Okay. Did they one not? because there was one where he caught a pass and they called it back because of an offensive yeah? I think the
1: penalty washed that one out.
0: Yeah. So he he got two balls. Um two balls. Yeah, he got he caught one catch and then he had one where there was a penalty. So he got two targets and no other tight end even got a target.
1: Right. Yeah. that one target to Cole Komet, that one catch for zero gain was, that was it. That was the only target that actually mattered for any tight end in this game. And I thought there was a really good opportunity for Justin Fields to try to target the tight ends when he was in the red zone. I mean, like you said, you're keeping Jimmy Graham, you're paying him a lot of money. You might as well use him to his best advantage and that's creating mismatches in the red zone and they never targeted him.
0: Yeah. And you, you've kept a lot of tight ends on your roster and you're not using any of them. What was that purpose?
1: Right, right. So if you look at the number of targets total today, Darnell Mooney led with eight. He recorded six catches. Allen Robinson was targeted four times. He made two catches. There you go. There's your number one wide receiver only getting four targets a game. Dave Montgomery, your running back, got four targets, 18 yards. Marquise Goodwin had three targets, made one catch. Cole Komet had the one catch, and then three targets, two catches for Damian Williams. So zero to Jimmy Graham, one to your starting tight end, none to your other tight ends, and only four to your number one wide receiver.
0: The Bears didn't have any punt returns. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, it's funny. Uh, after the, the Roquan Smith um, interception and touchdown return, I started referring to him as, uh, as Roquan, fuck you, pay me Smith. <laughs> Cause that's really what he's telling everybody. Um, but yeah, the, the offense you saw, you saw a big, uh, a big connection and, and a good rapport between Justin Fields and Jesse James through the preseason and through practices. So why aren't you putting him in there and letting him and letting him get up some targets? Why are you not including your, your wide receivers? Like this is, this wasn't a game you blew out. You blew them out. I, I mean, it ended up being a three point game. You know, you had, Between your two quarterbacks, you had 116 yards passing and your top running back had 61 yards rushing. Like it's, it's, it's not like you were an offensive explosion. You weren't, you, you weren't. And your offense did not score you enough points to win this game. It took a defensive touchdown. A defensive touchdown was the difference in this game. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, you look at the whole situation where you're in good field position and you're having to settle for field goals. I mean, that's something that you cannot do in a lot of these upcoming games. You can't do that against the Browns. You have the Lions coming up, so hopefully you're able to score a lot on them, but then you have other tough opponents you got to play coming up. And, you know, we talked about this tough Bears schedule for a while and you know, that's just, you you need to score touchdowns. You need to get into the end zone to win a lot of these upcoming games. What I did like, at least, at least with this game is that if there's any silver lining about the bears offense is that at least we're not seeing the absolutely anemic three and outs just yet that we saw well too often in 2019 and 2020 at least they have done a better job of moving the ball and maintaining some possession. The problem is they're just not getting enough points. I mean, it's one, I said this last week. It's one thing to move the ball. It's another thing to move the ball and actually be efficient with scoring. Because sure, yeah, you can eat a lot of clock by going 50 yards. You do a lot of dink and dunk plays. You do a lot of small plays. You run the ball a lot. You can eat up a lot of time and move the ball. But, you know, if you're starting at the 25, and then you get 50 yards and that's it well then you're you're settling for field goals again and you just you need to just score more with that being said i think that their ability to at least move the ball a little better makes me feel maybe a little better about advancements in this offensive system, but maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. I just, but you know what I mean, right? Like, I mean, you remember the last two years when there were times when this offense was so anemic that they were going three and out with like negative yards. I I think it helps that the running game has been better.
0: I didn't look last, you know, at stats, but I believe Mark Sanchez said that the bears didn't have a three and out last week. I don't think they did. And, um, they didn't have very many this week, so they they are moving the ball, like which is a step forward, but they've got to it's they're baby stepping it. You know this is this is how many years under Matt Nagy? What four? Yep. Is you've you've got to be better. You've got to you've got to you know progress this faster and you've got to utilize the talent around you. You've got all these speedy receivers and you've got a speedy quarterback and you're, you're not getting him into open space. You're not rolling him out. You're not catching, you're not throwing to receivers on, uh, you know, um, in stride. It, it's, it's, you're wasting everybody's talents.
1: Right. And just to put it in perspective with the three and outs, the first three and out they had was the drive in which Allen Robinson saw the ball go right through his hands. And then the bullshit uh, pass interference penalty on Cole Komet. So, you know, a dropped pass and a penalty that was kind of trash, you know, that, that kind of doesn't really help things. It's not like it was the worst three and out ever. And then the other one, which he had three plays that ended in the, pick by Justin fields. And of course that wasn't pretty, but you know, in all other drives, they've at least moved the ball a little bit. And um, I will say this, if you want to give the bears some really nice credit, the final drive of the game, it was 20 to three and then boom, blink of an eye it's 2017. It looks like the Bengals have all the momentum. They put together an eight play drive, which ends them kneeling in victory formation because you had the really nice break tackle by Justin Fields, where it looked like he was going to be taken down when he was running well short of a first down, but he was able to shake it off and keep going. And then you had the big clutch run by David Montgomery to fight a little bit and get those four yards to pass the first down marker and ice the game right then and there. So you got to give him credit for that. I mean, Justin Fields redeemed that interception with that run play to get the first first down, and then Dave Montgomery finished it off. That was nice to see because if you can remember the last two years, how many times at these games that came down to the wire where the Bears had a chance to seal it and they had to end up punting it away, at least they didn't give the ball back to the Bengals after they made it a one score game.
0: Yes. And I don't give any of that credit to Matt Nagy. That was just. No exceptional individual efforts by Justin Fields to, to get that first down. And also by uh David Montgomery, who is an absolute beast and he does not go down on the first tackle. Like the first No, attempt. he
1: does not.
0: He was, he, you know, I, I said that when he, the bears drafted him, I was like, this guy, this guy breaks tackles left and right. Like he, that's what he does. He's got some
1: nice spin moves. He's able to create mismatches with guys. It's great to see.
0: Yeah. He, I think, when he was drafted, he led college football in yards after contact and most broken tackles. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's, a, and we didn't see a lot of that his first year, but since then, we've seen a whole lot of it. And that's, that's who he is. He is tough to bring down. And the Bears need to utilize that more. absolutely you know and it's been tough though because uh you that interior offensive line you know last week last week you saw a really really tough game by Cody Whitehair and you know that that sort of happens when you're competing against Aaron Donald you're gonna get blown up but uh sam Mustafer had two bad games in a row
1: yeah the aaron dial guy is kind of good
0: and james daniels had a rough game today too it's um that that needs to get shored up real quick because the tackles have actually played okay and it sucks because i thought larry larry borum had a good game last week when he for the little bit he was in and they put him on injured reserve, so it means he's yeah. going to miss at least three weeks.
1: That's a tough injury.
0: Yeah, especially when now you're relying on Jason Peter to to stay healthy. Um, you know, he's a 400 year old man, and he could still play, but you know, you're you're counting on him. So hopefully, <clears throat> Larry returns back healthy soon and comes back at the end of those three weeks, um, because I think the Bears will need him down the stretch.
1: Absolutely. I wish there was a way we can seek the fountain of youth and just ladle a big, big gulp of water down Jason Peters's gullet.
0: Well, I mean, even if you could go back to what he was in 2018, and you know, just a couple of short years ago, the the guy was really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a hall. Of, he's a future Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, by the end of the year, uh. You know, we expect to have Larry Borum back. We expect to have Tevin Jenkins back. Um, Wouldn't it be funny if Tevin Jenkins, it's not funny. Funny is the wrong word. Uh, Ironic's not the right word. I, I don't know what the right word is, but if Tevin Jenkins ends up not being who we thought he was and Larry Borum is the guy that Tevin Jenkins was supposed to be,
1: yeah, I mean, hey, that kind of stuff happens,
0: you know? It, it, I mean, look, look uh, when the Redskins drafted two quarterbacks in the same draft, RG3 was supposed to be the great one, and he fizzled out quick, and Kirk Cousins was the other one, and he's still playing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a kicker for RG3 to just keep watching. Hey, that guy's been playing long after I'm done and <laughs> still making a lot of money.
1: Yeah, he is he is making quite the buck.
0: Um but you know, there was another bad play I forgot to talk about with Justin Fields that he he ended up making the most of it. Um the fumble. The fumble is he's got to learn to keep two hands on the ball and that mm-hmm. is a that is I mean every every athletic quarterback has had that same issue coming into the league. Oh yeah. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, they've all done it. And that's just a rookie mistake because it's easier to make a flash or a splashy play when you've, when you're in an action mode with one hand on the ball. So um, it's, that's going to get cleaned up, but he, he fumbled and it looked like it was going to be scooped and picked up for a, you know, a, a touchdown and he reached over and got it in a really athletic play. Yeah, that and was insane. Actually, it, it really was like that. That was probably his best play of the game.
1: His biggest one of his, I should say his second biggest oops turned out being one of the most epic plays because as soon as he lost it, it looked like that was going to be a scoop and a score and then all of a sudden you see him leap and reach back out and get that ball back. It was like, Holy crap. I mean, I could guarantee if most other bears quarterbacks, if the same thing happened to them, that was going the other way.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if it was Jay Cutler and you know, he would have been injured on that.
1: Yeah. And then he would have gone for a smoke.
0: <laughs> uh, um, let's see what else. Uh, <clears> Hmm. <throat> Yeah. A A-Rob, a Robinson dropped two touchdown passes. Cole commits offensive pass interference, which was weak. It was yeah, real. It was, weak. it was real weak. Those uh, the other week is the two taunting calls yeah, one I mean, on either team.
1: That was stupid.
0: Like I'm being, you know, neutral here. They were both dog shit in. Oh yeah. The, uh, the bears one was more egregious. The, I, the one that was that the Bengals did, that one was just, that was soft as, you know, seven ply toilet paper. I was mad. Like that
1: benefited my team. And I was mad when that happened. I was mad at the referee when that happened. That oh, was, absolutely. that was against the the other
0: team. Yeah. that It, it totally benefited the bears uh, big time. And I just, I was like, really, is that how we're going to officiate this game? It was, it was brutal. Like, I, you know, I was mad that Sean Gibson won, but I was more mad at the other one that benefited the Bears because I, that's that's not a penalty. Neither it's one ridiculous. of them is a penalty.
1: It's beyond ridiculous. This whole, we got to crack down on taunting. It's like, yeah, you seem to be more focused on cracking down on taunting than other more important things that need to be addressed. And it's like, really, taunting 15 yards? Like, really? You're going to tack someone up for clapping their hands or saying something to another guy and tack on 15 yards.
0: It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was, it was so dumb and that's, they've got to clean that up from the league level. Like, listen, that was, that was weak. Both of those.
1: And you know what, you know, unfortunately the thing too is is that if that's the way they're going to play this game, then I think coaching and the team has to meet together and be like, look, I know this is stupid and this sucks, but we really got to watch the way we talk and we clap and we wag our fingers and whatnot. So, you know, hopefully it's, it's something that at least the bears won't have too much trouble with, but I feel like everyone's going to have trouble with it at the end of the day, because it's subjective and it's soft now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, um, the, I don't like, I don't like a lot of the week roughing the passer calls. Um, another dog shit call that was, it was a dog shit call, but it was a, a dumb play by Robert Quinn
1: mm-hmm.
0: was the, the, uh, you know, the, the late out hit. of bounds. The, yeah. yeah the, that was, that was so dumb on his part. Like, don't just don't touch him. He's already out of bounds. And it was such an acting call. Or an acting job by Joe Burrow to just flop by getting a slight bump, and the referee totally bit it. Throws the flag. That that legitimately gave three points to the Bengals. They were ready to punt, and they ended up getting a field goal out of that.
1: Right, I and mean, you know the thing though was, as soft as it ended up being, the second you saw that contact being met, you knew that was getting called. You absolutely knew that was getting called.
0: Yeah, you knew it was getting called, but, and Robert Quinn was dumb for putting himself and that, his team in that position. But I don't think he was expecting Joe Burrow to flop like that. Joe Burrow flopped. Like he looked like he just took a right cross from Mike Tyson in his prime. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, that was, he fell like, have you ever seen the movie super bad? Oh yeah.
1: Many times
0: when, when McLovin's trying to buy booze and that guy cold cocks him, <laughs> that, that, that's how Joe Burrow and- <laughs> <laughs> he went down like, like McLovin.
1: I love that scene because McLovin does that. Just that little eh, when he gets punched, that scene is so that if you want to talk about one of the best modern comedies ever made in the 21st century, that's got to be on the list.
0: Superbad is such a good movie. I love that. That and Step Brothers are like two of my, like more recent favorites as far as comedies.
1: My God, you know, it's I, I could quote Super Bad all day. Even just the scene when Seth has the blood on his jeans, he just when he realizes it and he starts gagging in the middle of the party. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh my god! Uh, or the one uh, we always, uh, my brother and I, we always uh, laugh at the the scene when uh, the uh, they do the uh, the Star Wars imitations. You will die. <laughs>
0: That's Yoda from Attack of the Clones. I like the one where. McLovin's following the girl with the uh the white pants down the hall and she turns around and he asks her about a pen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Bill Hader in that movie like it, it, him and uh oh what's his nuts uh uh why am I blanking why am I blanking uh Seth Rogen. Those two as the cops like they were perfect for that role they, like just these two just imbeciles that really don't care about their job, but try to act like they care about their job and would rather just go drinking at a bar or setting their squad car on fire or <laughs> breaking up a party saying, get ready to be boned by the long dick of the law. <laughs> uh, that
0: that's uh that movie's so good
1: no no one's mclovin mclovin doesn't exist because that's a dumb fucking fairy tale name you fuck (laughs)
0: Uh, uh i like when uh that one scene where jules and and seth like uh he tells her he can buy alcohol and she's like plus you know uh you scratch our backs we'll scratch yours Well, Jules, the funny thing about my back is it's located on my (laughs) (sighs) and then it's just the awkward pause. (laughs) So I just get like a random assortment.
1: (laughs) Oh, classic, classic. And like it had a good ending, too. Like it was like it ended on a really good note. Like, You know, if you did like a a philosophical study of super bad, you say, you know, this kind of embodies like both human nature growing up and how people do end up growing up. Because at the end, it's like you have Becca taking responsibility for puking on uh, Jules's parents bed and, you know, trying to make right of it and then her apologizing. And then you have, uh, you know, you have uh, Seth and uh you know his buddy they they talk about how uh him and mclovin are gonna room together and it's like you know okay you know you you grow up and you you like i just i think it's a good ending it's not like just a stupid campy ending like there's like actual meaning behind it i think that's what part of makes
0: the movie so good i would agree um but yeah back to the bears uh you know, the the good thing is it seemed like they got away. They got away from uh, th- this game without any serious injuries, other than Dalton, which I don't know. I don't know how serious that is. Um, but Dalton's, you know, got injured, but nobody else. I don't think I saw any other injuries. Um, we still didn't have Eddie Goldman. He he still you know, no show MIA for the mandatory mini camps and showed up at training camp. but didn't play much. Hasn't played in either game. Um, and, but other than that, you seem like your, you've maintained your health. You know, you had a bunch of injuries going in you still don't have, uh, Tariq Cohen. Um, Uh, so hopefully hopefully they could start healing some guys up and maintain the health of the guys they have because you know this this is a tough schedule that they have going forward
1: yeah and you can't really afford to have any more defensive injuries you know your cornerbacks are really thin your safeties are thin you already have Danny Trevathan out so you don't want to see any more linebacking core guys getting hurt so yeah you know you're right the defensive guys have stayed, the ones that have at least been on the field, they've stayed healthy. And, you know, I mean, the thing is if you're going to see Andy Dalton miss a few games, well then you have Justin Fields playing. So, but you know, with other positions, you know, there are a lot of places that are thin and you don't want to see any big major injuries there. And yeah, you know, it's uh, it's, it's only two weeks in, but every week you could keep a lot of key guys healthy, especially the NFL. You know, that's always a blessing.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, looking, looking at this game and I, and I sort of want to break it up into quarters to to finish up this first quarter of the season, you've got the Browns next week in Cleveland. Then you come home and you play the lions at home. And we, we don't know what we have in the lions here. We saw the one game last week and they scored a bunch of points. They gave up a lot of points, but they scored a bunch of points. And then you can start piecing things together. You're like, okay, well, the 49ers played again this week. Who was their point last week? And they won, but they didn't look so good. And their defense looked okay today. So, to uh, the lions offense look okay, but their defense is terrible. Um,
1: and, you know, I, I have to
0: ask this too. Was
1: those garbage time points or is them legit looking good? I do think the lions do have some decent weapons that can make things work. I just, I don't know if it's really a high powered offense.
0: I, I, yeah. Um, I mean, it might've been garbage time. I, I didn't watch the game. I only saw the highlights, so it's tough. It's tough to, to say either way. Um, and I'm just pausing right now. the The Kansas City Chiefs are in a third and 39 right now. Yeah, I got the game on too. <laughs> um, yeah, Lamar Jackson's thrown two picks already. I well, it's funny is so my fantasy league. I hate fantasy football; it's dumb. But I keep getting suckered into playing in this league, and I'm up 209 to 153 in this game. And he has Lamar Jackson or whoever I'm playing has Lamar Jackson and I have Pat Mahomes and Harrison Butker, their kicker. And then tomorrow night we both have our tight ends playing. He's got TJ Hawkinson and I have Robert Tanyan. So uh, as of right now, Pat Mahomes has 16 points and Lamar Jackson has negative four.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So uh, ESPN yeah. is saying I have a ninety-nine percent chance to win.
1: There you go. I lost by like two points last week. It was yeah. uh frustrating.
0: I won last week, but it was uh it was pretty close. What? Um duh, duh, duh. why aren't you? see week one i want to see week one scoreboard week one i won 259 to 233 and i so we're in a league it's weird we can start two quarterbacks and quarterbacks get so many points um so Nick Chubb had 83 yards rushing and two touchdowns last week, and he got 39 points. Pat Mahomes threw for 337 and four touchdowns and was 71 points. Matt Stafford was 321 for three touchdowns and had 63 points. So I rode Pat Mahomes, Nick Chubb, and, and Matt Stafford to the victory. Dang. So it's funny, you know, all the, you know, the analysts or the the draft analysts are like, oh, make sure you draft running backs first. Don't take a quarterback to like the third round. My league, it's like nine of the first 10 picks are quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, the thing too with fantasy is different leagues have different rules and regulations. So, you know, it's, it's not always consistent with what happens, but I can tell you this, whoever has Derek Henry in fantasy today is uh, going to be happy.
0: Oh yeah. He played a good game. Let's see who had him looks for whoever had high points. Uh, He had 92 points in my league. Yeah, that's pretty good. So it's the guy that I played. I beat last week. Of course. Uh, So that's good. Um, It's a, it's always funny when somebody struggles to score points in one week and then the other week, they absolutely just dominate.
1: Yeah, that's that's what happens. I mean, you know, you look at you look at some of today's games and you saw a lot of things that looked bad or good last week have the complete opposite effect this week. I mean, look how good the Saints looked last week against the Packers, and then this week the Panthers and Sam Darnold steamed all over Jameis Winston and the Saints.
0: You know, Sam Darnold has looked good at both games this year. It's almost yeah. like it was the Jets and not him.
1: <laughs> well, look at Sam Wilson with the Jets now. It's been brutal.
0: I, yeah, I feel that organization is or Zach hot. Wilson. Sorry. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, sorry. The, the jets are a hot doo-doo organization, like straight up hot doo-doo dog turd tacos. As you like to say, it's true. They are dog turd tacos. Like they got like the, the Patriots didn't do anything big to them. Like you look at the stats. Mac Jones had 186 yards They're Uh, their leading rusher had 62 yards. Their leading receiver had 45 yards. It's not like they were this offensive juggernaut. It is just the Jets are terrible. And it's funny because last week we talked about this rookie class of quarterbacks had a really good week, and then this this week it was like the polar opposite. So Zach Wilson had 210 yards passing, no touchdowns, four interceptions. For a thirty-seven quarterback rating, Mac Jones. Mac Jones played all right. He had a uh, hundred eighty-six yard passings, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was he was literally a game manager. Um, right. We we already talked about Justin Fields. had a little bit of a rough game. Um. Hmm. Jaguars is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had 118 yards passing one touchdown, two interceptions for a 37.2 quarterback rating. And. uh, um, What's his name that the, uh, the 49ers. Drafted. He didn't even play. So, you know, you, you see, you see the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the league, the league, uh, will eventually catch young quarterbacks. <laughs> it's what they do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's one thing to look at is, you know, Trevor Lawrence's numbers don't look absolutely incredible yet. You know, you see Justin Fields, numbers look great. I mean, it's young quarterbacks you know, yeah, you'll see some step right into the limelight and some will take a little time. I mean, Brett Favre, his first year as a member of, what was it? The Falcons.
0: He was a Falcon.
1: Didn't look like anything special.
0: No, then, otherwise they we wouldn't have traded him away.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, it's two games in, it's really hard to judge a lot of these rookies But I mean, with Zach Wilson's situation, I mean, regardless of how good or bad he is, he is in a bad situation.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Terrible situation. (laughs) Uh, I'm re looking at this Bears, this Bears uh, schedule, and it looks worse than I thought. So they're one and one right now. Um, they face the Browns next week, which is going to be a real tough game. I think the Browns are legit.
1: Yes, they are.
0: They face the Lions, who that should be a win. Then they face the Raiders in La- in Vegas, and they look good so far. Offensively, they look phenomenal. But will that, they
1: keep it up? That's the question.
0: Um then you get then you get the Packers who we can't beat the Packers right then tampa bay and i watch them i watch them they are just unstoppable on offense yeah it's it's tough then you get the 49ers who i don't think they're world beaters but i think they're solid yeah they the, yeah they're they're then, pretty good then the steelers
1: i think we could beat them Ravens. I think if the, if the pass rush is good, Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a tough time.
0: Yep. Yeah, the problem is it hasn't been. It was better today. Um, then you get the Ravens. Then you get the Lions again. Then the Cardinals. Then the Packers. Then the Vikings. Then the Seahawks. Then the Giants. Then the Vikings. Like that is a brutal, brutal. Uh, schedule. You look at the schedule and
1: you say, "Yeah, there are games you could win, but there are really no the closest thing to a gimme game are the Lions. But even even if the Lions aren't good this year, I don't think they're going to be the mapatrica. They're just going to roll over and die, Lions. I think they're going to give you a good fight.
0: Yeah. So I think you start out this first quarter two and two. That Raiders game is going to be tough. Yeah." I- that that second that second quarter of the season, at best, I think they go one and three.
1: Yeah, I, I could see it. That's I a, could see that's it. it's tough.
0: The next quarter then is Steelers, Ravens, Lions, and I'm uh, sorry. you could go two and one. Wait, it's so on. Uh, so wait, one, two, three, four? Then one, two, three, four, and then uh, Steelers, Ravens. Lions Cardinals
1: Steelers Ravens Lions Cardinals two and two maybe maybe three and one if things Uh, go your way
0: I I think uh, that Cardinals team that offense looked real good they lit up they lit up the uh, their defense looks terrible
1: yeah their defense does not look good
0: so I, I think I think you got a chance if you can if you can Establish the run Uh, and you don't give up the explosive plays to Kyler Murray. So maybe two and two, maybe. And then that last quarter, I'll I'll put the five games in there. You got Packers, Vikings twice, Seahawks and Giants.
1: I think you beat the Giants. I think you split with the Vikings. Uh, I never have any faith in beating Green Bay. And then you're,
0: I don't think you're in Seattle, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't, uh, so two, four, I don't feel too good five, about that one.
0: So yeah, you're looking at like seven and 10, maybe. Yeah. Is that good enough to keep, to keep your job? If you're Matt Nagy?
1: if you're sub 500 at this point, no, I, I don't think so. I think, I think you need to have at least, a competitive season and while seven and 10, I mean, seven and 10 is several games below 500. So it's somewhat competitive, but not good. Um, It's like a step below mediocre and a step above bad. So I don't think that seven is really good enough to maintain a job, but this is the bears we're talking about here.
0: Well, we have a lot of collaboration we're collaborating with the collaboration and we've got really good collaboration and all the options around the table. And we're going to collaborate when we collaborate on the table and, and a lot of good things will happen. And, you know, the, the in COVID, you know, it was tough on everybody. We opened up a restaurant called collaboration,
1: but the N at the end is a big N and the one of the L's is a big L. So it's
0: fancy. Oh, man, I I, I'm just so fed up with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy is just put a winner on the field.
1: Yeah, we've been begging for a winner for a long time.
0: Uh, One thing I didn't mention, and it's not really per se about the Bears. This is the first time I think I've heard Mark Sanchez in the booth. He was all right
1: yeah you know good for him honestly i I, I like seeing new guys come into the booth and do well
0: yeah because the bears always get a shitty uh announcer because they're always like the d the d game like they get like the fourth best uh announcing team on you know fox for their noon game and, and then when you
1: do get like a regional Fox game, it's against the Packers or the Cowboys and Joe Buck is fawning over the other team.
0: Yeah. Um, but he, you know, Mark Sanchez, if we get him more often, I'm all right with that. Like I, you know, he, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like, uh, Oh my God. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? He played for the Cowboys, not Trey Aikman, Um, He's a uh, Tony sequel. Romo, Tony Romo, Tony Romo's phenomenal. He's fine. Like, he, he's it's weird because like, he's not textbook good, but his insight in the game is so good. He's just like, they're going to run this here. And you're just like, that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's been fun since the beginning. He puts good enthusiasm and gives good analysis at the same time. That's the kind of stuff that I think people like to hear. And I always enjoy when Tony Romo is doing the game and like, honestly, it it, it can make football fans feel bad for giving him so much crap during his career because yeah, he threw some interceptions and he wasn't very good in the playoffs, but he overall had a really good career. And right now he seems to really enjoy the broadcasting gig.
0: Yeah. And I, I listened to, uh, the uh, I watched most of the Vikings Cardinals game today and they had Gus Johnson with Akib Talib. That was not a good broadcasting pair. Um, Greg Olson, I don't know, I'm not that impressed by him. So you got that Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson pairing. Meh, usually we get the Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth pairing, and I'm not a fan of that. Of that announcers, um, Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, meh. I. You know, I, I would be more than happy out of looking at, at who these, so here's the the announcing crews for Fox for 2021, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman are the, the number one unit, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, Chris Myers, Daryl Johnston, Kevin Kugler, Mark Sanchez, and Gus Johnson, Talib. Tlaib.
1: Yeah. I mean, outside Aikman and Buck, it's really kind of changed over the years. I mean, I remember when most games were like Tom Brenneman, you know, he, Tom Brenneman was kind of like, he wasn't number one, but he wasn't, he was like the number two guy basically. And that's usually where the bears kind of fell in my youth because they were competitive enough and, you know, on a big market, but they weren't the Cowboys.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually, you know, if, if that becomes our go-to team, is the um the mark sanchez kevin kugler pairing i'm not gonna complain i'm not gonna complain at all. it's not
1: bad it's not bad
0: yeah um i don't know you want to talk a little baseball
1: sure i only have a few baseball thoughts on my mind but i'll share them go for them well, I mean, really I just wanted to say congratulations to Patrick Wisdom for breaking the all-time Cubs rookie record for home runs. Today he hit his 27th home run and hasn't even played a full season. So just, good for him. Good for you, Patrick Wisdom. Clap, clap. Oh, and also um Frank Schwindel is still a tank.
0: He really is. I mean, at this point it's it's not uh it it's not even like this has become fluky territory. This is this is a good sample size. And he's still he's got a slash line of 363, 408, 673 with an OPS of 1080.
1: I mean it's really dang good. And he's he's got nice discipline too. It's not like, you know, Patrick Wisdom, he, he has some good at bats but he's got a lot of holes in his swings. You see a lot of strikeouts from him,
0: but. Well, today no, he, he hit that 27th home run, but he had four strikeouts.
1: Exactly. I mean, that pretty much sums up, uh, Patrick wisdom with Frank Schwindel. He's got a pretty nice approach, a pretty professional approach.
0: Yeah, it was funny. Cause uh, I was listening to the game on the radio yesterday. I was running an errand and, um, And I was like, oh, runners in the scoring position and they have Frank Schwindel up. I'm like, that is the guy I want up. Or maybe it was Friday. And he struck out. And I was like, damn it. It must have been. Was it Corbin Burns pitch yesterday or was that Friday?
1: I don't really remember. I didn't watch much this weekend. Um, Kind of all blends together. I mean, regardless, the the first two losses, it was the same thing. You know, you had a slight lead and then you melted down in the eighth inning, so...
0: Oh no! It must have been must have been Friday. Wait, why am I? What the heck happened here? Uh, now I'm trying to pull up the uh, the box scores yesterday. Uh, who pitched for the Brewers? No, it was yesterday. It was Burns. Yeah, okay. yeah. Frank Schwindel struck out with runners in scoring positions. Like, well, that's weird. It's not, I'm like, I'm not expecting that one. Um, but you know, we're we're getting we're getting right down to the the end of the season here, and Christian Yelich still sucks. He's he's not he's not Christian Yelich from before he signed that big extension.
1: No, and I know he's had a lot of injury issues so that might be catching up to him um doesn't really seem to matter for the brewers though they already won the division i think they clinched it on saturday with their wins so insult to injury to the cubs fan that got to watch the brewers start what could be a long run for them but you know what like i said props to the brewers they're a much better organization right now
0: They really are um but you know what can you do? You just got to go out there and be better. Yeah. Um, You know, this was a, you know, this, this week you played two tough opponents. You know, you had the, the Phillies come into town and, and, uh, we went to Philly. I'm sorry. We, you're right. We went to Philly and they kicked the shit out of us. And then we played the brewers and, you know, they, they did well against us. Yeah. What do you, what do you expect? And, um, you know, that Thursday game was just the, that was the brutal one for me. That was the, the Cubs went up seven to nothing and lost yep. 17 to eight.
1: How many times has that happened this year? It's happened multiple times.
0: Yes. this like the third or fourth time where they've been up by more than five runs and then they lose by more than five runs or something like that. It's been a yep. lot. Uh, Way more than you would expect.
1: And here's the thing that really bugged me about that one against the, the Phillies. And I wrote an article about this to kind of talk about this whole issue. Kyle Hendricks got bombed again. Oh, yeah. He got smoked. So I wrote this article for Cubby's crib. And I have some stats I'd like to share with you regarding Kyle Hendricks. Okay. So this year... He's got a 481 ERA, a 492 fielding independent pitching, a 1.4 whip, 10 hits per nine in 30 starts. Now, his career worst ERA prior to this year was 2015, when when he had a 395 ERA. And his highest ever FIP was 2017, 3.88. So you take the ERA where it is now, 4.81 versus the previous career worst. 3.95 and the FIP that's almost at five was never above 3.8 before. Now here's the really eye-opening part. Thursday, seven uh, earned runs charged to Hendricks was the fifth time he surrendered seven plus earned runs in a start this season. Five times, seven earned runs. Okay. This year. He's only done that twice before in his entire career.
0: Yeah, he's just not been good this year.
1: And you look for the reasons why and you you look at a lot of the numbers you're like okay. The ground ball rate, the fly ball rate, that's all pretty much the same. I mean the the proportions aren't all that different on how much percent he's getting on the ground versus in the air or line drives or whatever. Um, you're just you're seeing more good contact because I. for those who don't know, barrels is a stat from StatCast and to define it. It's a batted ball comparable hit type that leads to a minimum of, of a 500 average and uh, 1.5 slugging based on launch angle and exit velocity. That is what a barrel is. So this year. His barrels against percent is 8% with 45 total. His previous high in a season was 31 barrels, 5.2%. That was in 2018. So you're looking at a career high in barrels against and a percentage that base, you know, you look at his previous season high of 5.2, that's a raise to pretty much 3%. And you know, that's, it may not seem like a lot, but you know, in all in hindsight, the more batted balls you give up, obviously, the more likely chance you're gonna give up hits. And he's given up more hits than any starting pitcher or pitcher period in baseball. No other pitcher has given up more hits than Kyle Hendricks this year. Some of it is bad luck, some of it is just him getting hard hit hard. But at the end of the day, He's just not executing. And that's what he'll be the first one to tell you that he's just not executing. And this is where you look at Kyle Hendricks and say, look, you were good for a very long time. And I'm not saying that you're not going to bounce back next year. With that said, if you want to contend soon, you're going to have to bring in an ace with stuff. You don't have a lot of room for error with Kyle Hendricks because you work to get contact ground ball with an occasional swing and miss using soft stuff and changing speeds. There's very little room for error with that. You need an ace that can miss bats and just blow smoke by guys. It's just where you are now. I'm fine with keeping Kyle Hendricks, obviously, in the future. I just don't think he should be an ace going forward. That's my whole spiel.
0: Yeah, we've mentioned this numerous times before. When you are soft tosser, you have to be flawless. When you're not, it's easy it's easy to tee off on you. If you, if you're not hitting your, your spots, like Corbin Burns yesterday was not hitting his spots, but he's got good stuff and he's got velocity. And, you know, you, even when, you know, when you're not hitting your, your locations and you're being erratic or throwing outside, uh, you're going to have guys that just swing anyway. And just the, the sheer velocity of it is going to cause cause misses. And you're also going to have just missing it. You know, when you, when you're trying to hit a 97 mile an hour fastball, 96 mile an hour fastball is not just hitting it, but getting, getting a good barrel on it and then not hitting it at somebody. It's a low percent that you're going to actually do that. And You know, even if the pitcher's not hitting his mark, if you're throwing an 86, 88 mile an hour fastball, that, you know, eight, 10 mile an hour difference is huge.
1: It is. And you know, if you're nibbling around the plate, like Kyle Hendricks has tended to do this season, then when you're nibbling and you're not getting chases, you're all of a sudden it's hitters counts. And when you got to make a pitch, you're going to have to put it in the zone. And if you don't execute by the slightest bit, it's going to be right over the heart and it's going to get smacked.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's it's tough, you know, and, and the Cubs, the Cubs offense hasn't been bad even after trading everybody away. I mean, you know, you've got solid numbers from Ortega. Schwindel has been great. Hap has been way better as of late. Uh, you know, Wilson Contreras hasn't been giving you a ton. Um,
1: At least he's been hitting for some power.
0: Uh, Patrick wisdom has giving you power and decent numbers. Um, so, you know, you've got guys that are the top of your orders actually doing things, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think if you want to look at the best news right now within the Cubs is that Brennan Davis is off to a very good start in AAA. I don't know if you've been paying any attention to that.
0: I have. He's been clobbering the ball since he got moved up.
1: Yeah. So his first 24 ABs, he's got 10 hits, three home runs, and an OPS of 1.315. So that's good to see.
0: I wonder how long before they bring him up.
1: I would love to see him get a taste of the big leagues.
0: I mean, we're in September. We're mid-September.
1: Yeah, it's two more weeks left, basically.
0: Uh, You know, we're running out of real estate with the season. Um, So uh, I don't know why you wouldn't.
1: Give him a taste. And you know what? If he struggles, he struggles. It's, It's a small sample size. And at least you know where to work on certain things. You got nothing to lose at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Cubs only have a handful of series left. Give him a taste. Let him let him play. Let him see what he can do. Exactly. Uh, um, you know, uh, you're you're counting on him like he is an important cog in what you're going to be doing for the future. So why not? Why not? You know, give him that experience.
1: Yeah, he's played three levels already. He's played in high A, double AA, A, triple A. You put those stats together, you get a two seventy three seventy nine five thirteen slash with an eight ninety one OPS and eighteen home runs. That ain't too shabby.
0: Nope, not at all. Not at all. So I, but I, I mean. I don't know what I expect from the Cubs. It's just they're they're a, a bare bones team and you know, you're you're facing playoff caliber teams like the the Phillies are are catching up real quick to Atlanta. They might win that division. Milwaukee's gonna win this division. They already dead. won. They already won. So it's you know, what what, uh, you know, what do you expect to, to, to do against these teams when you have no pitching and you've, you've got, uh, you know, a bunch of has-beens and a bunch of nobodies on your team.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, you're just trying to get to the end and get to the off season at this point. And it was really nice to see, um, last weekend against the giants. It was nice to see Nick magical with the team. It was kind of his first, uh, introduction official introduction as a cub and he's obviously going through rehab we're not going to see him play until next year but it's good to see that that's all going smoothly because he's a very important cog for the future
0: absolutely yeah he's really important um and so seeing him you know uh and now that he's rehabbing and hopefully you get a healthy guy and now you've got nico horner back um i don't know maybe you can start Piecing together what you're going to look like next year, or get a glimpse of, of kind of what the future looks like.
1: Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have an idea of what you want your middle field, uh, the middle of your infield, to look like in the future. You have Nico Horner at shortstop, and then you have Nick magical over at second. And you know, if those two guys are indeed your future and they work out, then you know the goal is to have two high contact, high athletic guys that could make plays both with the bat and on the field. So. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching that when the time comes and, you know, when magicals with the Sox, I always said, okay, you know, he can play a good role and he's really, you know, a nice guy to have. But I think with the Cubs, he just, he plays so important with the Cubs because they have not had a lot of these super high contact guys, you know, in a while. And you saw a lot of holes in the swings of the Cubs where you need a guy like that. You need a scrappy guy that can just put the ball in play.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I think those guys are important in a postseason run, for sure. So you you've got those scrappy guys now. You just got to put a, a roster around them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding.
0: Um, the White Sox this week, they they did okay. I mean, for a team that is running away with their division, they, their magic numbers got to be real close. Okay. As
1: we talk on Sunday night, so it's just any day now. They're going to win the division, and that's going to be just another thing checked off. So, it, it honestly, it feels like they're just kind of coasting right now.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of what they're doing. And you, you had you played two pretty weak teams in the Angels and the Texas uh, the Texas Rangers. The Tex, they played the, the Texans? Texans. Wow! The, yeah, the Sean Watson was out there. You know shag and fly balls um but they they played the texas rangers and the uh, anaheim angels um and th- neither one of those teams are world beaters but you uh you know you you win the series against texas 2 to 1 and and you'll but you lose the series to the angels and you know it it does seem like they're coasting the, the, you know their foot is off the gas Um, at least you got a decent performance out of Dallas Keuchel this week.
1: Yeah. Even in a loss, he did much, much better. And I think there was, they were talking about on the radio. There was some frustration between Moncada and him. I think there was a misplay or an error and he was clearly not happy about it. I honestly don't really know what it was about, but I don't think it was really even that significant to really talk or worry about it too much. So you know, whatever. But at least, you know, if you're a Sox fan and you've been frustrated with Dallas Keuchel, at least you finally got to see him pitch a decent game.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's important. Is, uh, you know, he's probably. Uh, I don't know. He's gonna be. He's probably gonna be in your postseason rotation. Uh, I would imagine, even even if he didn't deserve it. Um, why? Oh, you know, so you, you want to see good performance out of him, especially coming down the wire here.
1: Here's one thing that I can't wrap my mind around when it comes to the White Sox pitching. One start, Dylan Cease looks like a future Cy Young winner, and then he'll go out and get bombed the next the next start. I, I just some of the inconsistency with him. I just I don't feel like I know which one is going to show up.
0: I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, that's what the numbers are showing. That's what the outings are showing. It's, it's, it's not just the eyeball test. It's what the numbers show. And, uh, you know, you, you just need, I think, if you're the White Sox, I don't think you need every night to be an ace performance. You don't need, you know, one hitters or no hitters from everybody to win. Oh, of course not. I think you, what you need is, is consistent performances. So you know what you're, you know what you're going to get? You're not going to have, you know, one inning where you strike out the side and then the next two innings, you're giving up three spots in each inning. Um, I, I think you want a consistent performance and, and keep your team in the game because that offense, that offense can really, really score some runs. You just need to be competitive. And, you know, we saw the the starters from this rotation really carry you for the chunk of the, the huge chunk of the season. Now, now that they're hitting a little bit of a rough patch, hopefully that's just a speed bump. And, you know, you see the offense now that Tim Anderson is back, start to get better. And, you know, you hope you figure out what it is mentally going wrong with your bullpen. Um, because you've got, you've got all the talent in the world. You just need to put it together. And this I mean, is there's
1: one saving grace of the bullpen. Liam Hendricks has been a lot better lately. Like he's been dominant lately.
0: Right. But yeah, what you need is this is, this is why you went out and got Tony Larusa for this time of year. And he better come through with you for all the bullshit that he's put you through.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or at least win in spite of him. You know, I mean, I, I, I will give Tony this that, you know, they, they, they seem, even though they've been coasting, it just, it it seems like maybe I'm overthinking this, but it it seems like Tony LaRusa, you know, as old school as he is, I feel like he's getting a better grasp of what a lot of these guys can do. I know the Craig Kimbrell thing is kind of weird, but you know acquiring a closer while you already have a closer is kind of weird to begin with. But I feel like in terms of where to put guys in the lineup, he seems to have a pretty solid grasp of where to put guys. Right. And maybe Sox fans will disagree, you know, guys who actually watch the Sox more frequently than I do. um, So I could be wrong on that, but I just felt like with Rick Renteria, every single lineup that would come out, people would go, what the hell, what are you doing? Why are you putting Yonder Alonzo in the cleanup spot? Or why is Wellington Castillo in the cleanup? So like, there's always questions where like the lineup now seems just a bit more well put together, I guess, by Tony Rusa. And, you know, let's face it, like, or dislike Tony Rusa, he knows how to put a lineup together. He always has.
0: Well, and he got, uh, he just got ejected and suspended too for, uh, um, I think it was Thursday's game. Yeah. Right.
1: Hit Otani, I think on the first pitch or whatever.
0: Yeah. But right, right. Was erratic that, you know, the whole time he was in. Oh yeah. Um, I think
1: it's garbage. I mean, I do.
0: And, you know, Tony LaRusso went out there and had some choice words, which good, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get thrown out a few times a, a season. Like, I think that's a, a rite of passage and it just shows your team that you're, you're committed and you're fully invested
1: yeah i mean just ask Lou (laughs) Pinella.
0: um but uh mike wright got a three game suspension for that hit
1: yeah i just i think that's silly i don't think it was intentional
0: i don't think it was intentional either but you know you you protect your superstar
1: yeah yeah i mean if it was somebody not named shoyotani if it was uh I don't know, some random schmuck. Probably be a little different.
0: Um, So come postseason, you're the White Sox. Who's your right fielder? You, You go with Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Adam Engel.
1: Maybe Platoon of Engel and Vaughn, if that's possible. I don't know. I just... i. Gavin sheets has come up with some really big hits, but I'd rather have Andrew Vaughn in there. If I were a white Sox
0: fan. I mean, Adam Engel's had some nice play this year and, and Andrew Vaughn has been, um, you know, his slash line is all right. Um, and he is, he's really, he's really grown as a fielder is, you know, we were not expecting anything from him and he's come out and played left field, um, first base, second base, third base, right field. He's played a variety of places.
1: Yeah. Give him some credit. He's, he's done a better job than expected. And like, there's no doubt that Adam Engel's is a better fielder, like no question, but Andrew Vaughn has held his own.
0: Right. And you know, Gavin sheets has been really productive in triple a, and he's gotten some big hits for you in, in the bigs. He's got a left-handed bat. That's nice. Um, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. I think that's going to be, that's going to be a huge decision for Tony La Russa on how he handles that one. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't think any of them are a terrible option, but I don't think any of them is a good option either. It's going to be, it's really going to be finding the right matchup. And um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's nice to have that freedom where you don't feel obligated to play somebody mm-hmm. because there's sometimes where you're just like shit, you know, like, like with the, you know, you know, if the, prior to the big trades, like you're always going to play Anthony Rizzo at first, even if Anthony Rizzo, you know, the, the lefty righty matchup is not in favor of you. And he might have terrible stats at that ballpark against that pitcher. And, but you're going with him anyway, Mm -hmm. um, because you're sort of obligated, but uh, you know, in this situation, you're not obligated to play any of those guys. You, you do have a blank slate, so it, it, it comes down to, you know, if, if you were any, any, uh, manager that's under 400 years old, you're probably going to go with analytics, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're Tony La Russa, you're going to, you're going to dig deep into your bag of TWTW and, and, you know, whatever your ulcer tells you is, is the right guy to go with, I, <laughs> I think, I, I think, you know, in some ways that's actually kind of cool because you can, if, you know, you decide to play Vaughn and he goes, oh, for four, four strikeouts, that's on you, man. Like you chose him, but if you, he comes, you put him in there and he hits the game-winning home run, uh, you look like the hero. You made the right lineup call. Like that's, that's, that's what postseason baseball and late season baseball down the stretch is all about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And can I just say, I like to, I like to picture the TWTW TW bag is like this old dusty canvas bag that just like every time, like you open it, just a big, just clouded dust comes out and like a moth and it's got like patchwork everywhere of like different colored, like canvas patch, just crudely sewed on it.
0: It's just labeled TWTW. TW. You just see this like a rusty old mule, dusty old mule come up and, and you, it's like an old saddle bag. And it's, you know, it's got grime all over it and, and, you know, matted hair and sweat from the mule because <laughs> it's hot outside. You reach in there and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I got a big handful
1: of TWTW.
0: <laughs> the, t- the TWTW
1: label on it is like super faded.
0: It's like burned, it burned into the bag, into the leather bag with a, you know, a brand. <laughs> the brand starting to fade. It's, it wasn't, it wasn't an even heated brand. So it's partly burned in one spot and partly, <laughs> partly <laughs> faded in the other. Oh, that's a funny visualization. Got that bag of TWTW.
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Hawk Harrelson. You know, he wakes up from his his nap when he feels the, the, somebody open the TWTW bag. He just like pops up like Dracula coming out of his coffin. He just bolts upright. It's like, Is somebody in the TWTW bag? I feel him digging deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> That's wonderful. He <laughs> opens it on up and just reaches in on in there. Oh man, the
0: TWTW bag.
1: That that sits right next to the Marty Havlat Crockpot.
0: <laughs> uh, well you don't want to dig into that cuz you'll burn yourself with meatball sauce. <laughs> What's happened to him? He got third-degree burns reaching into the uh he confused the Marty Havlat <laughs> Crockpot with a TWTW bag. Oh my god, that's awful. <laughs> uh. Oh man he's at the hospital and they're just like, you know, what if we do for this? And he's like, we're, we're going to, he's like, uh, we're going to 20, 20, CCs of, uh, of, of, uh, gumption. And, 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 and we'll go back and look at the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have one doctor that you're trying to explain it
1: to him. And he goes, what the flying hell is a Marty Havlat crockpot?"
0: crock pot? did <laughs> you just see like a you know the the nurse in the background just like <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a way to go to the hospital because of a marty havlak crock pot and a uh, TWTW bag that is older than time is, is,
0: did you ever watch the office
1: oh my god i've watched the office 10 trillion times
0: i i just want to i want to re-edit the, this, this episode where Michael couldn't come to work because he stepped on his George Foreman grill. Oh my and, god. And change it to he stepped into his Marty Havlak crock crockpot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got third degree burns. You burned your foot
1: on a Marty Havlak crock crockpot. <laughs> this scene when he's trying to go to the bathroom and he gets stuck between the toilet and the wall. No, not you. Go get Ryan. Ryan's Dead. <laughs>
0: Oh man, that episode is so good. That whole show is so good.
1: You know, I, I think the very best are seasons two through five.
0: Absolutely. Those are just home runs.
1: Yeah. I mean, everything was hilarious. Like season two got off on such a great note with the
0: Dundies. The Dundies is a, the Dundies are classic
1: season two is got a lot of the really good stuff. Like I think season two is office Olympics as well.
0: Is that, Oh man, that's such a good one too. Yeah. With, uh, um, the, the Dundies, I mean the, uh, the office Olympics Which uh, uh, they had the one where the, they put the, uh, cases of paper on their feet and Jim makes the, uh, the medals out of, Old uh paper clips and old yogurt lids. One side is bronze, the other side is gold, no flipping.'ve <laughs> uh, I've heard rumors that there's going to be an office reboot.
1: I've heard rumors too, but like is anything actually solidified? Like I, 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 I just heard, I've just heard speculation. That's all I've really heard.
0: I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's weird. It's weird to have a reboot this soon, like maybe someday. Right. It only will be
1: good if Steve Carell's part of it, you know,
0: you need everybody back.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you need all the main characters back. You need Steve Carell, John Krasinski, Rain Wilson, uh, Jenna Fisher, BJ Novak. You need all those guys
0: yeah you need you know you can't you can't uh you can't do it without the you know that great cast um you know uh you definitely need stanley back oh yeah you need stanley kevin Kevin, angela meredith
1: meredith
0: (laughs) she's she is one of my favorite characters she's there's you can't make a main episode about her but she is such a classic side character it's amazing had sex with a terrorist (laughs) i didn't want to
1: put it on the board but it was going to come out eventually (laughs) so what are you gonna do uh
0: creed you need creed
1: oh yeah of course creepy creed in the background um Andy Bernard, you got to bring the nard dog back and, uh,
0: yeah, you got to have the nard dog, Toby Flenderson. Oh yeah. I mean, you need someone for Michael to hate. Yeah, but you cannot, you cannot bring back Gabe. No No. Gabe. Um, no Nelly. No. Um, you got to find a way to bring Roy back. Yeah, you do. And Karen Filippelli. Oh, I loved her. No Robert California. No, 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 uh, no. You do need Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. You got to have cousin Moe's. You need Mose. What about, um, what about Pete and Clark? Pete and Clark, I actually didn't mind. They were okay. Uh, you need Holly. Yes, you need, you need, you need Todd Packer. You need David Wallace. You need David
1: Wallace. David Wallace is one of my absolute favorite characters on the show because it's not what he does that's funny. It's how he tries to maintain normalcy with all of the craziness that happens around it. Like it's it goes so well together.
0: Yes. Um let's see. Uh you know, if you go back and watch The Office, Pam has two different moms.
1: Yeah, yeah. You had a younger actress when she first appeared and then the one season like, one and then the, the show. Yeah. yeah,
0: season one had a different one than the one that dated Michael. Helene, you know, you dated my mom.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: um, no, uh, you don't need Charles Minor. No, Charles.
1: No, nah, that was a, that was a short-term, Yeah, short-term character though. I kind of liked him. Not going to lie. Like I didn't like him, but it was good to have that character. That was like Did the you opposite give of Michael.
0: Well, it was, it was, he hated Jim. Right. Can you get me that rundown? Yeah. I'm working on that rundown.
1: I'm working real hard on
0: it. You're working really hard.
1: No, no, I'm not working real hard. <laughs> Uh, oh, you got to have Kelly Kapoor. You you forgot Kelly Kapoor.
0: What about Jan Levinson Gould?
1: Yeah, come on. She was, you loved to hate her.
0: You know, I liked her when she still worked for Dunder Mifflin. When she became like the weird hippie lady at the end was um, not as good.
1: I did like, though, the baby shower episode where she's like singing to the baby and Jim walks in, hears it for like two seconds, looks at the camera, nods, and then turns around. <laughs> or when uh, she explains the tub birth and then Creed called it like the tide on Omaha Beach.
0: No, no, Joe Bennett. Nah. No, no Saber at all.
1: Nah. And Joe wasn't even that bad of a character, but we don't need any of that.
0: No, that, that was just, um, you know, you don't need that.
1: Oh, you got to have Daryl back.
0: You got to have Daryl. Um, I, it would be funny to work D'Angelo Vickers back in somehow. Will Ferrell. Yeah, that was, that was
1: short term, but I, I didn't mind him on the, I know other people didn't like him. I, I, I was okay with him on the show.
0: Um I hope they bring the IT guy back, the one that Michael hated. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just hated that guy for no reason. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. I would I would be so happy though, the first scene that they would show Stanley Hudson. Like they just oh, it would make me so happy. I think what they need to do is they need to show Stanley Hudson on a beach with red wine in one hand and a pretzel in the other. Oh <laughs> uh, pretzel Day. That is a fantastic episode.
0: That is such a good episode, pretzel day.
1: The works, you got it.
0: <laughs> uh but is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, I think I said my piece.
0: All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for uh this episode of Bill Swersky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. It's how we grow the show. Um, follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, facebook.com slash sports, Swirsky sports.com, Alex Pat Sports, alexpatsportschat.blogspot.com, and Facebook, Alex Pat sports Chat. Um, And again, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Dick and God for all they have provided. Ah! Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! You can have her, she's a packer fan. She can't fit in my van, and she looks like number New Yorkers. Smoking crack is not legal on planes. Bears 31 to negative 7. The Bears! Oh, when the Bears go bearing down.